I'm going to preach this morning on the theme, what's next? Jumping into the deep end and making new disciples in new places. Al, how did you learn how to swim? Maybe at a camping trip with family or with your troop? In between s'mores and discovering new hiking trails, you zipped up your life jacket and floated weightlessly looking up at the stars. Or maybe, maybe it was at a rec center like the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club where you stood and held on to the edge of the pool, frantically kicking your legs and blowing bubbles to the frantic whistle of the instructor. Or maybe you were cursed, I mean blessed, with a mother like mine. I have to remember that she can watch this and the internet is forever. Maybe you were blessed with a mother like mine who used the deep end approach. No paddle boards, no s'mores, and absolutely no life jackets. Just one simple instruction. Jump in the deep end. Now, you are sitting there and you're probably wondering how I survived. And to tell you the truth, I've been wondering the same thing for over 30 years. But you see, my mother was adamant with her command. You will only learn to swim if you come out of the shallow end and jump into the deep end. And you see, when we read our text this morning in the Gospel of Matthew, I believe that's exactly what Jesus is inviting the disciples to do. To jump into the deep end and make disciples for the transformation of the world. Because remember, for the last three years, the disciples have really just been treading water. They've been finding their sea legs as they watch Jesus preach the gospel. They watch Jesus heal the sick. They watch Jesus challenge the status quo. They watch Jesus make new disciples. But now, now he's asking them to to take off the life jacket, to let go of the paddleboard and jump into the deep end, making disciples without him. And I can only imagine how afraid, how how anxious they must have been upon hearing this so-called great commission. Disciples, I'm going back up to heaven. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father. But you, I need you to grow my church, to preach the gospel, to heal people, to perform miracles, to build my kingdom throughout the entire world world. The disciples probably felt like this wasn't such a great commission, but a great impossibility. And the truth is, they're not the only ones. In fact, according to the Barna Research Group, 70% of American Christians today report that they have never actively shared their faith or helped to create a new disciple. 70%. And this is a strike.
striking statistic, Bonnie, not because this alone is challenging, but because the same report reveals that over 97% of American Christians believe that making disciples is essential, that Jesus commands us to do it, but only 30% of us do. And you see, the impact of, of disciples who haven't jumped into the deep end of making new disciples is painfully obvious in our church today. We see it across our country as for the first time in our nation's history, the number of people who identify as having no religious belief or affiliation outnumbers those who say that they do. We see it in our denomination as the membership of the United Methodist Church, once the second largest church in the United States, has shrunk by 50% in just the last 25 years. And we even see it in our own congregation as the number of baptisms, professions of faith, and confirmations has steadily decreased year after year for the last decade. But our text, our text reminds us this morning that the hardest things that we will ever do are often the most rewarding things that we will ever do. Just think about it, the, the, the people, the places, or things that you value most are not the things that were the easiest to accomplish. Whether it's starting a family, maintaining a marriage, getting a business off of the ground, working the 12 steps of recovery, sticking with therapy, going back to school, moving across country, or even making new disciples. The more value it adds to our lives and to the kingdom of God, the harder it is to do. And we see this not just in our lives, but in the living word of God. Scripture after scripture, verse after verse, book after book, God calls people to do great things, to do good things, to do hard things. And the challenge, the challenge is that when things get really tough, when things get really difficult, when things get really hard, we can sometimes think that that is evidence that this is not something God has called us to do. Because if God called us to it, shouldn't it be easy? Shouldn't it come naturally? If God calls us to it, shouldn't it not challenge us or, or stretch us or cost us or change us? And yet our scripture reminds us that the things that God calls us to do are often the hardest things that we will ever do. But don't miss this. Just because it's hard, doesn't mean it's not from God. Let me say that again. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not from God. In fact, nearly every man and woman who is called to do something by God is called to do something difficult. Whether it's leaving their home and going to a place that they've never seen, facing a giant with just a slingshot and a few stones, building arcs when there's no rain in the forecast, or making disciples of all nations. 
when you've never been further than your own neighborhood. God calls us to do hard things, difficult things, and draining things, not because they're easy, but simply because it's what God has called us to do. And the Great Commission, the Great Commission is not easy work. It would be better named the Great Challenge because now the learners have to become the teachers. The listeners have to become the preachers. The equipped have to become the equippers. They have to move out from a local Galilean ministry to one that would stretch to the ends of the earth. This is going to be hard, difficult, draining, and depleting work. But here is the good news God had for the disciples then and God has for us here today. No matter how hard the mission may be, We can trust God to help us do hard things. I am certain that when Jesus issued this great commission, the disciples were scared, worried, confused. How could they accomplish what Jesus was calling them to do if Jesus wasn't going to be with them in the flesh? I imagine they began to shake their heads and and cross their arms until they heard these words. I am with you always. I I wasn't there, Jeff, but I, I know what happened when they heard these words. It's what happened when my daughter heard these words when she was trying to learn to swim last summer. Isabella was only five years old and and was ready to stop playing in the shallow end and move to the deep end. Her brother told her, hold my hand. I'll go with you. And she said, uh-uh, no, 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 no way. And if you know Joshua, you know that that was the right answer. Her sister told her, no, hold on to me. I'll take you. But she wouldn't budge then either. It was only when her father stepped into the water and said, I am going to be with you. Then and only then. Did she take one hand away from the security of the edge of the pool? And then she asked him again, what about when we get all the way in the water? What about when my feet no longer touch the ground? And he assured her, I am going to be with you always. No matter how deep it gets, no matter how far we go, I will never let you go. And then, finally, she let both hands release from the side of the pool. And she went deep into that water with her father leading the way. And I believe that that's a word for somebody here today. Because Jesus is waiting in the water for our congregation. He's issued the great commission, the hard work of jumping in the deep end and making new disciples. And this won't happen overnight. We'll have to swim against the cultural current and reach further and deeper in order to connect with God's people. But we can trust God to do hard things. We can trust God to do seemingly impossible things simply because God will be with us.
always. And I've been thinking about how the disciples must have heard and interpreted this command as they sat in the shallow end of ministry, doing what they had always done, treading familiar water, a fear of going out too far alone by themselves must have come over them. Because while making disciples is the hardest work that we will ever do as disciples of Jesus, it's not called the great mission of the church. It's called the great commission of the church. Work that we don't do by ourselves, but work that we do as co-workers of Christ endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit, who will be with us always. And so what's next for our congregation is going to be hard, but it will be possible because God is with us. After much prayer and discernment with our administrative council, with the leaders, the staff, and the volunteers of our praise band, We've made the hard decision to pause our contemporary worship beginning on Sunday, February 5th. Now, we've made this tough decision with the leading of the Holy Spirit because we are not going to keep moving in place with our heads just above water. No, like the disciples, we are willing to dive into the deep end and discover a new and engaging method of worship that reaches our community and brings people to shore with faith in Jesus Christ. And I know that this is not an easy decision to hear. It's certainly not an easy decision to share. The contemporary service was started here at Noblesville First to reach young families and to connect our church with new people in new places. But the growth in that service over the last five years has dwindled from a high of 40 to 50 people to a current low of 10 to 12. And this is not a reflection of our leaders or our volunteers. Our praise band has long been in the deep end, devoting their time, their energy, and their gifts to sharing God's love through song each and every Sunday. Our AV volunteers and staff work tirelessly in our contemporary service so that everything that is shared can be heard, not just in the room, but across the digital mission field. And associate pastors and, and lead pastors have poured their hearts into messages to comfort and compel people to go deeper in their faith. And yet... God is calling us to do something new. And this is one of the great conundrums and challenges of following Jesus. Because sometimes, in order to make new disciples, we have to change our method. Or in other words, in order to accomplish the mission of creating new disciples, sometimes we'll have to stop doing something in order to start doing something well. And so I'm going to ask you the hard questions that the Holy Spirit has been asking me since my very first Sunday as your pastor. Are you willing to stop in order to start?
Will you make the tough calls today so that you can live more fruitfully into my mission tomorrow? Will you try a new method so that you can make new disciples? Now, church, I know these are not easy questions with easy answers, but they are the ones that we will spend the next several weeks and months discerning in what we're calling our launch Academy. The Launch Academy will be led by a church growth strategist who's helped to launch new faith communities around our region and across the country. They will gather disciples and community members who are ready to jump in the deep end and learn new methods of reaching new people in our mission field. Now, a very important feature of the Launch Academy is that those who participate will covenant to be present for at least one year in that new worship service. Now, don't all leave at once. That does not mean that you have to stop worshiping in your traditional worship service. But it does mean that you're willing to give more time so that this new worship experience is filled not just with the Holy Spirit, but filled with the presence of disciples who are willing to jump into the deep end and make new disciples for the transformation of the world. And after completing this launch academy, we'll host preview summer or preview services rather in the late summer so that we can put into practice these new methods of, of worship and hospitality that we've learned in order to fully launch a new worship service in the fall of 2023. Now, I know that may sound like a long way off, but we are not interested in rushing to what's next. But instead, we're invested in moving towards what's right. And it will take time. It will take deep discernment to discover who we are called to reach, the methods that we will use to reach them, and what kind of worship experience speaks to their hearts and calls them into the deep waters of faith. Now, I'm not a prophet. I have tried that with the lottery. It hasn't worked out. But I believe that if we jump into the deep end, if we live into making this hard decision to stop what isn't working in order to discover what will, that our church will grow into a congregation that is vital, that is bursting at the seams, that is reaching our community and the world. And I'm certain of these things, not because I'm the greatest preacher in the world, not because we have the greatest choir in the world, we do, but not that's not why, or not even because we have the greatest members in the world, which I happen to think we do too. I believe this for one reason and for one reason only, because God will be with us always. Because when we step out into this deep water, we are not going by ourselves. But our Father will meet us there, helping us, taking our hands away from the edge and surrendering into the security of his arms. I believe this for one reason only. Because with God, nothing 
is impossible. And so I'm jumping in the deep end with Jesus today. And all I want to know is who is going with me? 